0: All right, real quick, people, before we get into today's show, we've just released a new course, Periodization for Periods, all around how to train women around their monthly cycle, and we've got it on special. If you're interested, click the link in the show notes.
1: You are now listening to The Bootcamp Blueprint, the place where personal trainers can learn how to grow their bootcamp and social media. Here's your host, Jono Petrohelos.
0: Okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Bootcamp Blueprint, the place where personal trainers go to grow their boot camp. I'm super excited because this week we have an absolute legend in the fitness industry. A little bit about this person. He's the author of one of the best-selling books in the fitness industry, Ignite the Fire, The Secrets to Building a Successful Personal Training Career, which I believe has sold tens of thousands of copies. He's the creator and head coach of the Personal Trainer Development Center, An online website which is internationally recognised as a career guidance for fitness professionals. He's the founder of the Online Trainers Academy, the first ever certification program for online trainers. He's been featured in Men's Health, Schwarzenegger.com, Muscle and Fitness, Forbes, many more magazines. He's originally from Toronto. But looking at his social media, I don't know where he lives these days, all over the world. I think he's in Greece at the moment. Most importantly, he's a key lime pie connoisseur, and he hates bad socks. So without further ado, let me introduce the one and only Mr. Jonathan Goodman. Jonathan, how are you?
1: I'm glad you got that part about socks in there. I think that's a big problem with a lot of trainers. It makes their lives a lot worse day to day, as they wear terrible socks. Like, invest an extra couple bucks in a good pair of socks, Jonathan. Mm-hmm. I, I,
0: I, I agree. That's, that's why I put it down the end of the intro. I'm like, the stuff up the top's okay, but we got to yeah. get that sock message out there, right?
1: No, it's irrelevant. It's, it's whatever you end the intro with is always the most important piece of information. <laughs>
0: agree. Well, hey, Jonathan, I like to start all my podcasts off with a quote or mantra that inspires you or fires you up. Have you got one for us?
1: Oh, man. I have uh, not a quote, but I have a story that I keep going back to. Even better. It's, um, it's a story that I heard like retold, but it was by Eric Schmidt, who's one of co founders of Google. And um, and and the story goes: as they were building up Google in the early days, somebody came up to them, an investor came up to them, and basically said, "What you guys have here is great. This is, this is awesome, guys. You should shout out to the world. We're going to invest into you. We're going to we're going to give you all these resources so you can promote this thing as big as possible, as fast as possible." And 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 um, Google basically took a step back and they said, "You know." We're getting better every single day. And the longer it takes somebody to find us, the better we're going to be. And so we're okay if it takes people a little bit longer to find us. And that story, I think one of the most interesting things that I do now is I keep what I call a bug book, something that I came about by Jim Collins, who's the author of like Good to Great and those things. And, and the idea behind a bug book is you basically carry a notebook with you and you study yourself as if you would study a bug. And one of the most important things to study is what quotes and stories resonate with you and that you keep going back to day in and day and year after year. Because I mean, how many anecdotes and stories and metaphors have I heard since I originally came across that story that might not even be by the Google co-founders? Like, I might have just made that up in my head. It was so long ago. I don't actually know. But I keep going back to it. So that means something. That means something about how I should operate to be in my 5%, to be in my kind of energetic space. And and we've really taken that to heart with the personal alternative Development Center. Never really advertised. Uh, we've just sat back and just got better every single day and built better communities and tried to take care of the people who found us as well as possible. Because whenever you do anything that's interesting, the first batch of people who find you are going to be the early adopters. And they're the people who are going to put up with crap. They're the people who are going to be super excited, who are going to promote you if you really take care of them. And those are also the people who have a little bit more patience for um, undeveloped because they like to discover things. As you get past that group, as you promote yourself further and get bigger and bigger and bigger, you kind of hit this point where you start to reach the masses. And there's a lot less patience for stuff that's undeveloped or maybe not quite good enough. And and I find that a lot of people, what they're doing now is they try to – you like you like build a website. And you're like, hey, guys, I built a website, and I built my first blog post. And everybody, everybody you know, pay attention to me or um, – with a podcast is always funny. It's like, I'm thinking of starting a podcast. Like my friend wrote a funny Facebook post the other day. He's like, hey guys, I'm thinking of starting a podcast. Does anybody have you introduction to Bill Gates? <laughs> you know, it's just like, you haven't done anything yet. And, and, and no matter what you do is not going to be very good. When you start something, whatever you start is not going to be very good. The only way to become good is to keep doing that thing with the sole focus of getting better at that thing. There's this, there's this push to be omnipresent these days. And the second you come out with anything to feel like you need to be at a 10 out of 10 and everybody needs to know about it right away, nah, you're not good enough for that yet, which is totally cool. And some people look at that and they say, oh, that's, that's pretty, you know, that's, that's it's pretty soul sucking, John. I look at that and I say, that's damn motivating. Because I've been in this game for eight years, publishing and educating fitness professionals. We've sold hundreds of thousands of materials. We've made millions of dollars. We've had books translated in languages. We've students in 89 countries. We've over 1,000 articles. And we'll just get started, man. Wow. And that's fun.
0: That's fun. Love that. Love that story. Love every part of it. I love, just run me through, John. What, was, what did you say, a bug book?
1: Yeah, it was um so Jim Collins who's the author, he's really, um it was an interview with him. He doesn't have many interviews, but he talked about how he keeps what he calls a bug book. You know, B U G like like a bug, like an ant or something, okay. And in this book he studies himself. And he studies himself as if he were somebody who is a who is who was just a researcher. And, and the second that I heard that, I turned you know, every, every once in a while you hear a podcast and you're like, okay, shit, like I, I'm sure that there's more in this podcast, but I gotta turn this off and go write some stuff down. Um, I I was actually on a run at the time we were this was the last place that we lived near right. I am in Greece right now. This is in Mexico and we live there, and I was on a run through the jungle. And and I actually ran home and wrote that down. Uh, and, then, and then went back out and finished my run and it sucked because then I used to do like one and a half times the run and it sucks. But, but the idea behind it is quite simple, and it's, and it's powerful. Like, we spend so much time to study other things, yet the most important thing to understand on the planet is ourselves. And how much time have you really spent understanding yourself? And the cues are there. You know, when you, when you feel good, when you feel energized, when you feel happy, the way you're around, What are you doing? What's the scenery like? When you feel like you're downtrodden, who's around? What's the scenery like? What are you doing? When you hear a quote and it resonates, or you hear another quote and it irks you. um, Write all those things down because you will start to see patterns very, very quickly. And what that's allowed me to do over time is it's allowed me to to just continually, I mean, people call it lifestyle engineering, you can give it whatever fancy name you want, but it's, it's allowed me to really carve out sort of my ideal life and, and lifestyle. And it's definitely not a, a revenue maximization model. Mm. Um, it's, it's a purpose maximization model. And it's also like, like my life is interesting. It's fun. It's, I'm 10 hours off my, most of my staff. Like that is not an optimal way to operate but you know what it does it forces me to be better and and if you really want to become a better leader make yourself less available to the people you're leading because it you have to uh be more complete in your instructions you have to trust the people who you're putting your faith into a lot more um all of those things I think are very very important so so yeah so that's a bug book so I mean I think go into it. I mean, I recommend everybody do it and I still do it and I'll do it for a very long time. I recommend everybody do it and just just honestly follow those guidelines. When you hear a quote, when you hear a story, write it down. When you feel good, write down what's around you, who you're around, what you're doing. When you feel bad or downtrodden or unenergized, who are you around, what are you doing? What's the scenery like? Um, Those couple guidelines will give you clues as to how you should spend your life and particularly what you should spend your money on as well.
0: Love that. Love that. So many good takeaways there. I'm going to start straight away writing this bug book and I see it as, A, just a happiness thing, but I like how you also ended it there with what to spend your money on. So I love that there. And just for anyone listening, that's Jim Collins. He's got a very, Jim Collins' idea. He's got a uh, very popular book, From Good to Great, if you want to check that out there. So, hey, Jonathan, yep. I'd love for our listeners, I obviously follow you quite a lot. I'm a huge fan of the Personal Trainer Development Center. If you could give my audience, in case they haven't heard of you or the Personal Trainer Development Center, give us through a bit of, bit of a rundown there. What do you do?
1: <laughs> we have published over 1,000 free articles uh, for trainers on literally every single topic. It's, it's become a bit of a joke in our communities now where anytime anybody asks something, no matter how obscure, it's like, yeah, we have an article on that. It's like, are you a male personal trainer who feels like you're being sexually harassed by your female client? We got an article on that. Are you a trainer who's helped your client lose over 200 pounds and they now have to deal psychologically and physically with a bunch of loose skin? Yeah, we've covered that. Like, literally everything. Um, to, to, of course, all of the business aspects of it, which is where I focus most of my time on now But but the line in the sand, John, was uh, we we don't the the way that I describe it is we don't teach you how to teach a squat. You know, we'll we'll talk a little bit about cueing. We teach you how to get your client to want to do the squat. Yes. Which I believe is a lot more important. Um, and, and that's the kind of nuanced stuff that's kind of hard to find as a trainer. Like, it's pretty easy to figure out what the cues are for a squat. I mean, a lot of people argue with you because it's the internet. People argue with you about everything. But the reality of it is, for the most part, exercise instruction and, and even programming is relatively straightforward for general part. You know, you, you always try to get better, absolutely. But um, especially programming, it's, it's, it's a mastery endeavor which means that you're never going to feel like you're good enough and you're always going to feel like you sucked at it six months previous and you're always going to look at others and feel like they look at you and think that you're doing a terrible job. But the reality of it is most people programming, most trainers programming are doing a good enough job for the majority of their clients. I mean, we're not talking about putting people on on stages and, and on podiums, right? We're talking about general pop. So, so what we do with the PTDC is we have a, a professional editorial team and um, we look at everything a trainer needs to know to really succeed in the field. And we put out what I think is are the best pieces of content on those topics. Uh, we've been doing that for eight years.
0: Yes, and I'm a, I'm a huge fan. The best way I can describe it, whatever I Google, John, I Google any question in the fitness industry, the PTDC comes up. I Google the next thing yeah, that comes up again.
1: Yeah, it'll be a lot more than that. We've actually, and, and so here's another interesting thing, you know, going back to my Google story, John, is we've put almost no effort into Google into SEO. Wow. We've just put all of our effort into doing a really great job and building great connections and taking care of people. And like, everybody tries to trick Google. Everybody tries to trick algorithms and get advantages. It's like, what you don't realize or maybe haven't like verbalized is Google has a room filled with the most intelligent people on the planet figuring out how to beat people who are trying to trick them like yeah if, even if you do get an advantage it ain't gonna last long mm-hmm. what all that they're trying all that Google is trying to do is figure out how to serve people searching with the best answer to their question And so now that we have this material and you're right I mean we get a lot of organic traffic each month now we're actually putting a lot of effort into SEO but that's eight years in. You know that's that's eight years of creating a tremendous amount of content, and now we're going back and we're saying, okay, we're gonna we're gonna crank this SEO thing. Um, it doesn't go the other way.
0: Love that. Agree. And I also want to touch on a point you mentioned. You may I I read a quote on your Instagram. It might have been a year, could be a couple of years ago now. Oh, Probably man. my favorite quote in the world. I I just written down off by heart then when you oh. brought it up. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I read this and this literally. Change the way I think of fitness programming. Your program design fails in comparison to your ability to get your client to want to do that program.
1: Right. I mean, that's, that is the core theme of my first book, which was Ignite the Fire, is the, the extended version of the quote is the importance of the quality of your program pales in comparison to the importance of your ability to get a client to want to do that program. And it was interesting when Ignite the Fire first came out, um, which was 2011. I mean, now people are like, yeah, psychology and training is super important. Of course, adherence is really important. In 2011, it wasn't like that. Mm. In 2011, putting, publishing that idea actually got a lot of people really angry at me. Oh, yeah. And, and, but what was interesting is, you know, the idea has proven to be right. And when you're the first person to publish a controversial idea based off of experience that later goes on to be right, uh, you get rewarded pretty heavily with it. And so as a result of Native Fire, it still sells every single month really well, you know, seven years after it's come out. The Chinese version actually just came out, which is pretty cool. And so, so, yeah, I mean, I agree. And so what goes into getting a client to want to do a program? I mean, really, when you break it down, that's marketing. How do you get somebody to want to do something that you want them to do? That's marketing. And that's, that brings up a more interesting point to me, which is that single industry thinking is inherently uninteresting and unimportant. Mm-hmm. There is nothing interesting or important or particularly useful about fitness as just fitness. I mean, a workout really is moving your body. The best fat loss workout is to do something that you suck at. Once you become good at that thing, you become more efficient at it, it becomes a bad fat loss workout. Running is a great fat loss exercise if you suck at running. Once you become good at running, it becomes a terrible fat loss exercise. It's it's really pretty uncomplicated. Where it becomes interesting is the intersections of industries or schools of thought. I mean, picture like a Venn diagram. Once Once you cross over psychology with fitness, it becomes pretty interesting. Once you cross over behavioral psychology with fitness and then with marketing and look at the intersection between those three, now you've really got something. And a lot of trainers I find suffer in this industry because they're just so obsessed with just the fitness part of it. And even if they're the trainer who doesn't care about money or just wants to help people, completely noble, totally cool. You still need to know marketing. Because if you can't market a program, you can't get anybody to do that program. And really, that's all that matters.
0: Yes, I love that. And for everyone listening, if you're interested in that, I definitely recommend getting a copy of John's book. Where's the best place, John? Amazon, your website?
1: Uh, you're talking with people in Australia. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can you can get it from my store and we'll ship it to you. Uh, I actually lose money selling books to Australia from my store.
0: <laughs> Sorry, I should have asked you that before the podcast, no, right? No.
1: It's totally cool and we're absolutely happy to do it. I think it's just interesting when I actually talk about the economics of what we do. A lot of people don't realize just how expensive it is to ship. Uh, you know, if I would have charge you what it actually costs to ship a book to Australia, you'd pay like $35 shipping, right? Um, which obviously I can't charge you. You can get it, like it's on, I think in Australia it's called like Book Depository.
0: Yes, yes.
1: Um, so you can get it from there. Uh, they, they carry all my books uh but you can get it from our store too and we'll ship to you. And if you do just just buy a couple books and not just one. That'd be great.
0: Yes. Well I'm I'm a huge fan of your other book as well. I had it just got it. This one here, another good one, right? Mm. Another one of my favorites.
1: Yeah, the pocketbook's cool. There's there's a fair amount of crossover between the pocketbook and ignite. Ignite is kind of a general nonfiction book. You're supposed to read it start to finish. Pocketbook is the reference. So it was it was written to literally be a pocketbook. It's 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 48 answers to the 48 most common questions you're asked the day. Everything from here's an objection that you're going to get in a sales call to, um, to, to dealing with just any day-to-day situation. Like open up a random page and just read the, read the question there. Let's see what you find.
0: Any random page?
1: Any random page, sure. I mean, uh, the, the start of one of the questions, some of the, some of the answers are two or three pages.
0: How do you overcome the bad experience with a trainer objection?
1: Okay, so a client comes to you and i in a sales call consultation and a meeting and they talk about how, how a previous trainer, a previous worker program didn't work for them. How do you deal with that? I mean, that's a pretty common thing. I'll, I've never seen anybody really write about that. It's certainly not in any of the training of any certification anywhere. Mm. Um, so the idea with the pocketbook is you keep it in your gym bag. I mean, you, don't, you could read it start to finish if you want, but you're meant to keep it in your gym bag or at your gym or, or gym owners are meant to keep it on the shelves. And then throughout the day, anytime anything happens, you just flip it over, figure out how to deal with the situation, close it, put it to the side, and use it again whenever you need it.
0: Yes, I love it, and I recommend every trainer have that, which is why I have my copy. But, hey, John, I'd like to transition a little bit. What well, I've obviously been following you for years, and I've seen a very big um, influence now on the on the Online Trainers Academy. Could you tell my listeners a little bit about that? How did that come about? What does it involve? Why do you do it? Give me the rundown there.
1: Oh, yeah. I'll tell you how it came about really quickly because I think that that's an interesting story too that, that has some parallels to how trainers can maybe uh, to get their programs better for their people in, you know, I think it's the responsibility of anybody who runs any kind of a platform to not build a program and then build a platform, but to build a platform and listen to the people in that platform and figure out what their problems are Mm -hmm. and build an eloquent solution to -hmm. the problem. And so, um, by, by sort of the middle to the end of 2012, we had a reasonable audience on the PTDC, and um, I started doing surveys. So we gathered a couple hundred thousand data points, and that was the first time that I did phone calls per audience, too. I've done four or five votes now where I've done 100 plus phone calls with people all around the world, trainers all around the world, really just saying, you know, what's going well? What are you struggling with? What do you want to accomplish? What frustrates you? And, and just trying to read between the lines mm. of what's really going on. And um, what came out of that in 2012 was that uh, trainers need to figure out a way to make more and help more people and have more impact. Mm. And there really wasn't a way to do it at that time. You know, online training was around, but it was was pretty under the surface. Certainly nobody was teaching it. Mm you know, maybe some coaching programs that like included it, but nobody had built like a, like a program to teach it. And so, so I thought about that problem more, you know, how can we help trainers, you know, make a bit more and a bit less time with a better schedule? What, what, what can we do? It's not opening up gym. It's not creating ebooks to sell. It's, you know, there's, there there are inherent problems with all of those things and they're right for some people, but they're definitely not right across the board. What -hmm. what I needed is something that trainers could do. Basically any trainer that's been in the industry for at least a year, and has a pretty good understanding of the clientele, what any of them could do using the knowledge and using the skill set, both technical and, and, and physical, that they already have, using their existing networks, so they don't need to actually do any kind of paid advertising or anything like that. Can we build a model that allows them to take back control of their schedule mm. and, and free up a little bit more time? So it's not this idea, this magical idea of like making millions of dollars on each not doing anything. Mm. It's 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 can we build a reliable way that every single trainer who has any kind of experience, you know, at least a year of experience, because you have gotta be good at what you do before you train people online, that has a year of experience, is there a way, is there a model where they can be in control of their own time? And make a little bit of extra money. You know, for some people that's ten thousand dollars, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars extra month. For other people, it's five hundred. I mean, we have students who are teachers who do this part of time and make like five hundred bucks extra a month a couple of clients. Like, that's cool. Is there a model that does that? And so in two thousand and twelve, I, I started playing around with the idea of online training as that model. I was like, well, you know, it seems to check off all the boxes, but like nobody's really doing this. Why is nobody talking about this? Hmm. Um, so I I built a bit of a business model around it. Basically, just made it up. Uh, took on 24 people to in a in a group business coaching program to beta test it. 22 of them finished it, gave me some feedback, turned that into a course that was called 1K Extra, based on the idea of this is how you make a thousand dollars extra a month on your own schedule. And the entire purpose of it from 2013 on to now, with I mean we have tens of thousands of students, we have we have students graduates in 82 countries now, and. The entire purpose of it has always been, this is how you make that leap to the next step of your career. This is not your end game. Mm. Maybe for some people, you're going to be online trainers for the rest of your life. How, not for most. You know, all that this does, it allows you to make more. It allows you to help more people and it allows you to not suffer the burden of trading your time for money directly in a gym. So a lot of people start by basically splitting their time between a gym and online training. And some people that split is more online. Some people that split is more in the gym. The model that we've built allows you to basically select that and we walk you through the process of figuring out your ideal business within it and how much you should charge and how many people you need to take on and how to direct your marketing. We walk you through all that. But the idea behind it is is quite simple. This is how you get to the point in your career where you take that leap over that gray area to be able to figure out what that next step is. Mm. And that next step might be in the fitness industry. That next step might not be in the fitness industry. We have students who have gone on and become real estate agents. We have students who have gone on and opened up gyms. We have students who have gone on and opened up their own supplement line. I mean, everything and anything really across all industries. The point is quite simple, John, the point is, they were enabled to make that choice mm. because they were able to take that leap that so many fitness professionals have a hard time taking. Once you take that leap, it's totally up to you—up to you what to do with it. Um, online training is just the best way to to take it um, to take that next step, and so um, so that one K extra program sold uh, until 2016. We kept iterating on it. It evolved into the Online Trainer Academy in 2016. in September 2016, which is the first ever certification, the first ever textbook on online training. Uh, It was around that time that uh, a lot of people in the industry started accepting that online training was actually a good way to train people. And it's interesting. There's actually research out now that shows that clients get better results with remote training than they do in person, which I can can talk about a bit if you're interested. But, um, you know, we wrote the first ever textbook on it. I've, I've spoken at worldwide on it now. I've spoken to many of the major organizations on it. Um, and I've been the first speaker on it at most of the major organizations who, when I started teaching it, basically ignored it, saying that there's no way that you could do a good job. Um, and we now have data from tens of thousands of students that show that you can absolutely do a good enough job with your clients. You need to, you need to choose your clients. But but you can absolutely do a good enough job with your clients remotely, um, as long as you know how to work with them properly, and uh, and so yeah, that's what we teach.
0: Awesome. Well, hey, I'd and like- then the business
1: and then the business side of it too, of course, which uh, which you know we've been iterating and improving upon the model. But but the interesting thing about the business side of the online trainer academy is that it's 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 basically the same as it's been since twenty fifteen, and it requires you. It, it doesn't require any kind of paid advertising. It doesn't require you to even have a website. Uh, it doesn't require any software. And its it has been immune to... So, you know, since 2013, social networks have changed how many times? Algorithms oh. have changed so many times. And this has been... This core model, this core theory, the, the, the fundamentals of what we change, of what we teach, haven't changed once. Wow. Uh, which is what you want out of a system, right? You don't want to learn marketing that's going to be obsolete in two months.
0: Yes, exactly. Now there's so many good things going on there. There's a few different directions I want to go, but I just want to break it down one by one for my audience here. Can <laughs> okay. you just expand just a little bit on online training, not being the end game. Now, I'll give you the summary of what I want of what I understand from that and correct me if I'm right in that sure. you're in the fitness industry. You're currently doing a lot of face-to-face training. A lot of the time you get mm-hmm. stuck there and you're stuck there because you're in that grind and it's either you stay in that grind forever or you completely leave and do something else. Are you saying that with online training it frees up sometimes so you've got some freedom to then pursue something else if you want or is it more like, okay, now I've got these skills that I know how to run. An online business that hey anything's possible or is it a bit of both? Can you just expand a little bit on that for us?
1: You're you're, you're pretty much there. Um, <clears throat> the, the first question I'll ask you, John, was how many retired personal trainers do you know?
0: How many retired? So went to what sixty?
1: Well, just how many people have been personal trainers for their entire mm-hmm. career? Like I don't, I've got I do know zero one.
0: One. Yeah, I don't think I know exist. one actually. Yeah.
1: It's it's you know it it, 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 one the fitness industry is a relatively new industry, Mm. Um, but but at the same time, um, it's a stepping stone. Some people do it for many many years. I know people who have been trainers for twenty or thirty years. Amazing, and they might be trainers until they retire. They're just they might not never retire because they're so I mean because they're in the gym all the time, but. But at the same time, for the majority of people who enter the fitness industry, personal training is the first thing that they enter and do. Mm. And where they end up in the fitness industry is quite varied. There's a ton. there's a tremendous opportunity of where you could end up once you enter in the fitness industry, but a lot of people start with personal training. And so the question to me has always been, what? How do, you, how do you get to that next step? And there seemed to have always been this gray area that people had a really hard time getting over where maybe they're making good enough money, maybe they're not quite making good enough money, but they're working so freaking hard that they have no time and energy to even think about anything else. And so where online training comes in and how we've built the model for the Online Trainer Academy is we teach you step-by-step. Step. Once you're at that point, And and you could be in varying levels of like far gone, right? You you might not be far gone, or you might be completely far gone and like, I don't know what to do, but I know that I can't do this for much longer. Wherever you are, we teach you how to take a step back and number one, define the problem because problems can't be solved until we define it. Mm. And the problem really broken down is how much money do I need each month to be able to make sure that I'm looked after and my loved ones are looked after? What's that number? Do you know? Does, 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 I'd be curious to know if any of your listeners actually know. Mm. And, and look at the parallel with fitness. What's the goal? How many pounds do you want to lose in three months? Mm. How much weight do you want to lift in three months? That's the goal. Once you know the goal, you set a program to work backwards. Well, how mm. many of us actually set a goal with our, with our financial life? And, and work into that, again, this intersection of, of, of thoughts, of bodies of thought. Fear a lot of action a lot of inaction is caused by fear
0: mm.
1: fear is nothing but an irrational response to the unknown we fear because we don't understand we fear because we have never defined if you're able to make the unknown known if you're able to actually define a problem fear goes away and you can actually take action And mm. so the first thing that we do is we help people define the problem how much do you need to make it? because then it becomes a very simple objective problem. If you know that you need to make $5,000 a month, right, I'm just making up a number. Yours might be bigger, yours might be lower. But if you know that you need to make $5,000 a month to support yourself and your family and to take, you know, a beautiful girl out for a really nice dinner once a month, and maybe you've got a little bit of debt that you're continuing to pay off, okay? Let's say that number is $5,000. Cool. Okay. How much money are you making now doing work that you want to continue doing. That could be passive income. That could be uh, investments that you have. That could be clients that you want to continue training. Let's say you want to stick with 10 clients in the gym and not 30. Okay. What's that number? Well, that number is $2,000. Okay. Well, now we have a $3,000 difference. So now you know that once you are able to make up that $3,000 difference, now you can take a step back, and then it becomes just an incremental step-by-step process where you, you, you build yourself up in a way that you, you start taking online clients at two or three or four hundred dollars a month. And once you get to the point where you're making 3,000 dollars and you've made that gap, well now, now you're comfortable, because now you know. Now you know that you've given yourself opportunity, right? Now you know that you're looked after. The problem is if you never do this work, you always think that you need to make more and more and more and more and more. Whereas if you know that you need to make $3,000, you can define it very, very simply. You can say, okay, I need to make $3,000. I have an extra 10 hours a week. Or I can, I can make up 10 hours a week. Okay, so I need to make $300 an hour which means that if I'm delivering programs and support to online clientele, I need to make sure that the math works out so that I'm making $300 an hour. And so we work people through a calculator period. They basically plug in numbers. Okay, based off of that calculation, based off of what I'm going to be offering people, I need to charge $250 a month. Cool. And I need to get, uh, what, 12 people at $250 a month. Well, now your job is pretty straightforward, isn't it? Yeah. Find 12 people who are going to pay you $250 a month. Well, that's a lot easier job than saying, I need to get thousands of followers on Instagram staring at me with their shirt on for no reason because of it. Maybe I don't really know how, but it will make me money. I mean, that, that's, that's not how this works. You need 12 people. Who will pay you $250 a month? And then the steps to go out that 12 are pretty simple, because 12 is a pretty small number. And whenever we do this math with anybody, inevitably they find out that the numbers are much smaller than they think. And the you just see this like, this like weight that lifts off their shoulders. They're just like, ah. Oh. All of the crap that marketers made me believe is important of building audiences and running paid ads and gaming search engines and building websites and getting big logos and fixing the colors and creating content, all of these things, none of that matters. Because I need 12 people, which means I need to actually talk to people who might be interested in what I'm doing, listen to them, let them know that I'm in their corner. And anybody, who is willing to go out of their way to talk to people they already know with a little bit of dedicated effort can get 12 clients within two to three weeks.
0: Yes, one of when my... I,
1: just using the existing networks they already have. One of my... do that.
0: I think another one... I think I got this from you as well. I think you used the number 20. It was obviously the similar calculation. Mm. And the way you justified it was like... I'm pretty sure I could find 12 people that I went to high school with that would do this program here. And when you break it down
1: like that. And when you break down the math, it's actually pretty ridiculous. I mean, um, my math might be wrong here. We actually have a calculator. We've got a few calculators that we allow people to do this. Uh, But but it's something like it's something like 20 clients I can do it really quick. 20 clients at $200 Two hundred dollars a month is four thousand dollars a month is forty-eight thousand dollars a year. Have you ever thought about that? Yeah, forty-eight thousand dollars a year with twenty customers. So this is why it's always funny in our Facebook groups. You know, we run, I, I think you're in. You're in a couple of them. We've got a. We've got the biggest Facebook group of online my trainers. It's like thirty-seven thousand people in there. And it's always funny because inevitably, like every single day, somebody posts in and they're like, hey, what are you guys doing to get clients? I've tried everything. I was like, uh, and, and so every once in a while, I just like, I, I try to hold my composure, but every once in a while, I'll um, like, say, okay, what are you doing? They're like, well, I built, I built these funnels. I, you know, I, I, I click funneled and then I ran these ads and the ads didn't get approved by Facebook. So I, so I took another course on ads and I, and I learned how to run ads better. and then I, and then I. Um, and then I, I wrote a bunch of content, um, and I've been really trying to build up my Instagram, and I just, I just type back one line, I'm like, how many people have you spoken to today? Mm. And they're like, well, well, but I mean, I'm trying to get better at advertising and copywriting, and how many people have you spoken to today? Well, I mean, nobody, but like I put it out to six, maybe you should actually talk to people. Maybe that's what you're missing. Maybe that comes first. Maybe that's at the base of the pyramid. Maybe all that other stuff absolutely has its place, but is gasoline on the fire. And if you never build the fire, if you never build the base, none of that stuff matters. Because at the really when you break it down, every single business relies on reputation and relationships. And if you never build that, it doesn't matter how good your content is.
0: Yes, I agree. I'm a huge fan of that, I think conversation talking to people is the way forward and the more people you speak to the more successful your business will be that's that's my take i want to be mindful of your your time here john but i'd love if you could give us a few minutes you mentioned that you've got well let's go the other way a common theme with trainers these days is that online pt you can never do as good of a job as face-to-face pt now i know you mentioned earlier you've got some really good stats that actually show the opposite could you jump into a few of those for my listeners
1: well, not stats, but there's actually a lot of research being done on, um, on remote adherence strategies and, and remote coaching. And I can tell you why. It's, it's, what's interesting is that the research that's coming out now basically backs up what we've known for a few years because we've just seen it with our, with our clients. We've seen it with our students. You know, we're like, you guys are getting better results than most people get in the gym. And, and here's why, It's it's actually pretty interesting. It has, it has very little to do with how you coach. There's, there's absolutely fundamental differences between coaching people remotely online. Mm-hmm. You need to understand some motivational interviewing techniques um, really, really well, because you need to be able to help clients through problems even though you're not beside them. Um, when it comes to remote assessments, there, there's, a, there's a mindset shift, 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 mind shift change that comes into play. Um, you need to favor reliability over validity. So the tests that you choose, you actually go for tests that are reliable time and time again over valid tests particularly because valid tests for the – I mean, if, you, if your client has access to like a bod pod or underwater wane or something like that or DEXA for body fat, cool, but most people don't. Body fat scales are just not valid anyway. They're certainly not reliable. Mm. When it comes to movement-type tests and screens, eh, it's pretty sketchy to do remotely. Mm. And and even then, I mean, there's a lot of research that will show you that most of those things just aren't even that valid to start. So you have to choose reliable tests. For example, tape measures. Mm. Or even tests like old-school gym tests, like 60-second push-up, one-mile runs. Mm. Those are actually really, really great to use with remote clients because they're reliable test-to-test. And that's really all that matters when we're we're helping a client achieve goal. But when it comes down to people actually getting better results, going back to your question, um, it has much less to do with the trainer's ability to coach and much more to do with how a client actually approaches the training. Think about what happens when a client goes into a gym locally. There's something called location bias where most people won't travel more than 20 minutes to go to a facility, to go to a gym, which means that the majority of clients really don't have many options. Mm. You know, Unless you live in like a major city where like there's 10 gyms, the majority of clients don't have many options. So they make their way through this protracted model of change. They're finally at the stage where they're in action, right? where, where their pain is great enough, where they're like, I really need to do something about this. They've probably tried and failed multiple times. They walk into a gym, and their nervous is all heck. And they speak to whoever's at the desk or whoever happens to be there, who schedules an appointment with with them that may or may not happen that day. So now they have to come back. Mm. Or they have to meet with somebody who they know is a salesperson. Mm. And that salesperson tries to convince them to buy as much as possible and tries to get them. And this is like, this is, you know, your gym as you're listening to this might be different and might do this better. But understand that this is the common Mm. occurrence, right? So even though you're better, like, like this is commonly what happens. This person now meets with basically a salesperson who is probably about 30 years younger than them, Mm. telling them what they should do with their life and how they're not living their life the right way, Mm. and then recommends without learning very much about the person. uh, This this trainer who, in the client's mind, probably is a significant investment for them Mm. of time and money that they don't really know that they then meet with who is also probably 30 years younger than them, Mm. who they are going to go on and have a very deep relationship with. Because if you're seeing a client two or three times a week, and you have two or three hours one-on-one with that client each week, it's a pretty intimate relationship. Yeah. That is, when you break it down like that, that is a really, really petrifying experience for somebody. And and not only that the belief that what they're doing is actually going to work is at a pretty low state
0: mm.
1: now contrast that with online somebody spends time you know goes through that model of change again but now instead of going to a gym there's no location bias. now they can actually go online and do the research right they can talk to people they know they can get recommendations from somebody they know they can check your content they can go to your website they can look at your, at your social media profiles. They can go into your communities, if your food communities, um, however it might be. And they can, they can make the decision themselves who they want to work with mm. anywhere in the world based off of not the 99% that makes fitness professionals the same, you know, that they burn fat or lose muscle or healthy lungs. based off of the 1% that makes them different. That probably has nothing to do with getting that kind actual results. You know, this guy is a video game nerd, and so am I. So they choose them. Because people make buying decisions based off of the 1% that they have in common with somebody that's different from most people. It's called an uncommon common And not the 99% that make them the same. And so we have a process for helping, again, in OTA, we have a process for helping people come up with this. We call it the 1% uniqueness closure. How do you figure out what that 1% is? Because that's what's going to help them. That's what's going to get somebody to want to buy from you. Because when that happens, Jono, their self-efficacy is at an all-time high. Now, they're coming into this experience thinking that they found the best person in the world suited to help them. Think about how that changes the belief that they can achieve. And what do we know about self-efficacy? Self-efficacy is largely dependent on the belief that what you're doing is actually going to work. That increases adherence, which improves results. So that's why online training works better a lot of the time.
0: Wow. I love that. Let me get... Am I right in saying the uncommon commonality? That was the 1%? Yeah.
1: I mean, we call it the 1% uniqueness quotient, um, but it's based on uncommon commonalities. I love that. what what is unique about you what are some weird quirks that you have what do you what do you like that you can wrap into your program and and i mean we have we've got great examples of people that i mean they change their typography to align with this we've we've got um one guy michael sotos who's who's really cool so we teach people how to create like application forms and an application form is basically like like an application form online is basically your in-person assessment Mm. you know it has, to, it has to meet all of that. So it, in addition to gathering info about the person, it has to introduce you to them, it has to create rapport, and it has to set the stage for a relationship to be built. And, and one thing, I mean, there's, there's a couple key things that you need to be doing there, but, but one thing that's really, really great is to ask a couple rapport-building questions. So, so one thing that Michael Sotos does in, in his that he's had a lot of success with is he asks people what their favorite superhero is. Hmm. Um, because a lot of this branding is built on like the mobile universe and stuff like that and so you know we help people become like their own superhero like it's that is that idea which is totally cool and and whatever they answer you know those little like pop figurines the little like miniature figurines. Yes. yep so the minute that anybody starts training with them a package goes in the mail to that person wherever they are in the world with a little figurine that sits on their desk of their favorite superhero from their training
0: wow it's
1: pretty powerful yeah, simple, cost a couple bucks.
0: I, I even just like the philosophy behind it. I've actually never heard that, believe it or not. But thinking back now, I've just felt subconsciously where I do feel closer to people like that and those decisions have been made. So I really love it. And think for in terms of like I look back at people that I've worked with before and I'm like, okay, hold on. Why did I work with that person there? There was something about that person that I felt connected with that wasn't right. necessarily about that skill. And I think that's powerful personal training. Yeah, especially with personal training, because as you mentioned, anyone's, hey, I burn fat, hey, I build muscle. Mm-hmm. But if you can have that deeper connection, it's a lot, there's something to it. So I love that. Thank you for breaking right. that down.
1: Let me tell you a really, a really quick story that I think really illustrates this for anybody because a lot of us here have been in the fitness industry for so long that we kind of forget what it's like to not be obsessed with fitness. Um, when you actually understand uh, buying and buying decisions, you recognize that the majority of customers are, are ignorant consumers and the majority of purchase decisions are, are not based on merit at all. You know, you're almost never actually buying the best thing, and the, for the majority of purchase decisions, what you really need is something that's good enough. You need to satisfy a need. You don't need to maximize. Mm. And so, the majority of consumers are satisficers, not maximizers. There are outliers in this, but the majority of consumers are satisficers, not maximizers. And you are too, and so am I. And I'll tell you an example of my life. I, my roommate moved out, this is years back, my roommate moved out, and he, it, he owned the TV, so I needed to buy a TV. Now, what do I need at a TV? I need a TV that has colors and pictures that move. That's basically it. So I walk into the first electronic store that I find, because I have a problem, right? I have a pain, I want to watch TV, I don't have a TV. I walk into the electronic store that's closest to home, and I walk up, and I see about 50 TVs. And you know what the problem is? Every single one of these dang things mm. has color and has pictures that move. So how the heck do I decide what TV to buy? Right? It's this paradox of choice. It's, it's, it's become a very painful experience for me because I have no way to make a choice. And I feel like whatever choice I make I'm going to feel like I look stupid in making that choice to somebody, and all that I'm looking for is a way to justify or feel like I can justify my buying decision to myself in a way to ease the purchase decision. This is how the majority of purchases are made. If you want to play the odds, so a salesman walks up to me, says, "What are you going to use the TV for?" I was like, I don't know. "Watch sports." It's the first thing that I said. Mm-hmm. I really watch much sports, but like, watch sports. Okay, so. So he starts talking to me about how a good host rating, H-E-R-T-Z, is, is important for a uh, refresh rate in a, in a TV screen. And it makes, the, it makes faster moving images on the screen more crisp. I, he might have completely made that up. I have absolutely no clue. But what I did then is I bought the TV with the best host rating. It took me about 10 minutes, and I walked out of the store. All that he did was he gave me a single reason to feel like I could justify my purchase decision Mm -hmm. to make it an easier decision for me. If he came up to me and actually asked me and did like true due diligence and really tried to educate me on what makes a better TV and not a TV, you know what I probably would have done? I probably would have said, okay, I need to think about it and do more research and walked out of the store and not bought a dang thing and not had my problem solved because really all that I freaking needed was I needed a TV that had color and made pictures move. And he would have actually been doing a disservice to me. And I would have felt like I couldn't buy yet because I now was made aware of my ignorance as a consumer. And I would have felt like I would look stupid to the TV salesman
0: Mm. in
1: making a decision that day. How many trainers do that same thing?
0: Yes, I love the way you put that there.
1: So when you're selling, when you're marketing, keep that general idea in mind. What are, you, what are you selling and what do people actually need? And how can you tighten that gap as much as possible? Because you know that you can help them, hmm. but you need to be given this opportunity to do so. And if, and if you don't think that you can help them, then you don't take them on always. But once you establish that you can help that person, you need to tighten that gap as much as possible.
0: Yes, I love the way you look at that. Now, John, I really want to be mindful of your time here. I've just got one more quick question, then I'm going to leave you to it. You mentioned okay. earlier your online training academy. You mentioned three things in there. So people can do this without spending budget on Facebook ad. Yep. They can do it without any software? Yep. And they can do it without a website? Yes. Okay. That to me is like the three things that stop people from usually doing it because they think they need those three things. So yep. to, to hear more about that, the best place <coughs> is just to go straight to, your, uh, straight to the website?
1: Uh, yeah. Well, we have, a, we have some, some free training that will really introduce you to the, the we call it the core truths, the core philosophies. Portraits of of how you should operate and approach online training. The idea, John, was our job with the Online Trainer Academy is quite simple. We help you get your first 20 to 30 clients online. That's it. Once that happens, we consider our job to be done. Because if you decide later on that you really want to scale your business, you might need to invest back into a website, you might need to invest back into ads you might want to invest in software to be able to make your time more efficient. But those things don't come first. Hmm. What comes first is like, start off, man, use Google Drive and Gmail and Skype. Fine, it's not the most efficient thing. But you know what? The most important thing when you're getting started is that you freaking get started and you don't debate for two months over what software is better. You know, I, I, I have a friend who wanted to learn how to play guitar one time. And he decided, He's the interesting thing is he's an education expert. Really a true education expert. And he wanted to learn how to play guitar. And so as an education expert, he started to put together all of these plans of how he was going to learn how to play guitar. He had mapped it out inside it out. And then he woke up six months later and realized he hadn't picked up a freaking guitar yet. Mm. And in telling me the story, he said, you know... If I had walked into the first music store I could find, bought the cheapest guitar I could find, flipped on YouTube, Googled guitar for beginner tutorial, and started plucking away, I would be six months farther than where I am right now. That's how we need to approach this. Then you you reinvest back in. Nothing is forever. If you know, sure, a name for your business is important, hmm. but you know what? you can change it, you're allowed. So if you don't come up with the perfect name at the beginning, it doesn't mean that you can't start. Software is helpful. I'm an advisor to most of the major online training software companies. I think that they're great, I think that they're great tools. I also don't think you, don't. you need them to start. I think once you get going, they help you become more efficient and they're useful. Cool.
0: Love that. And I guess if we look back into it in a trainer side of things, let's compare two trainers. Let's say you and me, John. Let's say we both want to get into online training. I study for six months thinking about the best software, the best way to do it. You go in Mm -hmm. there and give it a crack. And, hey, you might screw up a few times. You might learn a few times.
1: But six months down the track, I think you're going to be ahead of me. I think so. I think so. And I think I'll also gain a much wider understanding that (laughs) – it's such a—it's something I've been thinking about a lot recently. I haven't actually written about this, so this is this is this is new. This is new for anybody listening. Is how damaging. I, I, I think there's a lot of value in mentorship and coaching, but I also think that whoever is being mentored and coached needs to be really careful with the advice, because what's happening now is we're, we're, these like striations of coaches, these levels of of coaches are beginning to be established where there's like it's like a top-down thing where basically there's this one guy or one girl at the top teaching this next level teaching this next level teaching this next level and everybody's doing the same dang thing without actually thinking about why they're doing it or where there might be opportunity in making either minor or major adjustments and the resulting effect is whenever these methods stop working Which they inevitably will, because they're all trying to gain whatever is going on at the time. There's been no deeper understanding that's been gained.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Which means that which means that you haven't actually achieved anything, really. And you're gonna have to start new. When you when you start something with core truths in mind. You know, you, you understand the philosophies behind that thing. You understand why you're doing it. You understand what you want to get out of it deeply, truly. And you understand how to do a damn good job with that thing. When you have those in place, and that's what we teach in the online Trainer Academy, when you have those things in place, then you start putting it out into the world, and you start watching it mold. And you start sure. Some things might not go that well for you. Cool, you learn from that, you're taking feedback from that. Some things go really well. Why did that go really well? And you start to mold this thing into the perfect thing for you and and into this new thing that you could never be taught. Because anything that really matters and is special and is important and is powerful and is timely yet timeless in this world is far too complicated to be wrapped up into a neat little system and handed to you on a silver platter. It just doesn't exist. And I think I think that that's a big problem with this. Like, hey, get my eight week transformation challenge that you can do with your clients. Like, that's really cool. But if there's no deeper understanding as to what you can do with that knowledge, with that with that core knowledge afterwards, it's kind of useless in the long run.
0: A, a tactic will only get you so far, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, hey, John, that's all we've got time for today. But if you can finish this up with if someone is interested in the Online Trainer Academy, I know you've got your next intake coming up, the best place for them to, to find you.
1: Yeah, well, you'll include some links for sure in, in, in the course stuff. I mean, Google search Online Trainer Academy. It's the easiest thing. You'll find our website. You'll find hundreds of reviews. Um, all that I really, truly, deeply ask is that you do your research and and – do your research, read about it, learn about it, speak to as many of our past students as you want. Um, and if there are other programs you're doing or you're thinking about doing that profess to do the same thing, do your research into them too. make the best decision for you. But like, think about the decision before you make it because it's, you know, where, where you decide to focus your time in terms of your continuing development is, is is a really important decision. And if you decide to spend your time with us, I don't take that trust in us lightly Um, and I want to make sure that it's right for you. So, um, so that's all.
0: Awesome. All right. Well, Hey, John, is there anything you want to finish up with anything I should have asked you that didn't anything you want to get off your chest before I leave you to it?
1: No, and I mean, this was, this got deeper than I thought it was going to. That's fine. I think we also went a little bit longer than we intended, which is
0: awesome. I was always I worried about you. I was like, man, I told him 45 minutes. It's coming up to 40. It's coming up to 45. It's going up to an hour. Yeah. But um, thank you very much for your time, John.
1: You got it, John. Thank you. If you liked the show, share it with your friends, subscribe on iTunes, and leave us a five-star review. For show notes and free training on how to grow your boot camp, visit www.fitnesseducationonline.com.au.
0: Are you a fitness professional looking to provide your clients with personalized meal plans?